What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode number two of Arena Alums. Just three University of Dayton alumni just chatting UD hoops. I'm Daniel Massa, once again joined by my good friends Thomas Vonderhaar and Bobby Jagelski. How you guys doing this weekend? Good, Danny. Uh, it's been busy, busy, busy as everyone else is, but uh, it's good. Good to talk to you guys again, too. Yeah, you, uh, yeah. you got some extra busyness. Congrats on the house. <laughs> Yeah, I got Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, all the moving and getting stuff situated. Uh, I had to go back and try to catch up on the Mississippi State game, but I was able to catch over time, so I uh, got the important stuff out of the way. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot going on there. Thomas, how you doing? Hanging in there, Danny. Stole a good win yesterday, so definitely uh, in a good mood coming into this morning. Absolutely. I think, I think we're going to have to kind of learn that any win's a good win with this team as we see more and more of them. Um, they definitely still have some potential, but we're just going to try to call out, call out any wins that we, that we can this year and, and any game, any game that we play, who knows again, how many they're going to end up playing. But um, I do just want to say how just freaking happy I am that we have Dayton basketball back. <laughs> um, just we're right there with you. Lord we're knows. Right there with you. Lord knows the distractions we need right now, so definitely glad any any UD game we get. I'm trying to keep that perspective. Obviously, you want wins, but just glad to get some UD basketball on the TV screen again. Oh, yeah. We wanted to start with just a little check-in on the most famous uh, person from the UD basketball program in quite some time. That's Obi Toppin, the NBA Started their preseason a couple nights ago, and he had his first game with the New York Knicks over the weekend. Um, it's a 90 to 84 win over the Detroit Pistons. And Thomas, I think I'll let you kind of start off because you said you. It sounds like you watched the most. Um, I saw some highlights of Obi, and he absolutely looked like he belonged out there. And and um, I just can't wait to keep seeing him get more in tune with the NBA. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start on him. So, uh, you know, was able to uh, stream his game. Obviously, being in Ohio, don't get it locally on TV like I uh, like we wish we had him. But, uh, but yeah, it was uh, just kind of really fun just to see him in a uh, in a new uni and uh, representing representing UD basketball. You know, he's our poster child, and uh, I know we've had. You know, guys like Chris Johnson and um, and Wright and, you know, a number of other guys who've kind of been on the cusp of making teams. But, uh, you know, just to have a first-round draft pick like Obi, a talent like Obi in and, and uh, you know, hopefully uh, gearing up for some significant minutes here this season. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to watch. Um, for those who uh, didn't get to catch him, uh, you just simply go into YouTube and type his name in, um, looking for his highlights. They should have um, kind of a little highlight clip of his first preseason game action. So uh, feel free to check that out. I know there's also some stuff that's kind of circulated out there in the Twitter world. So I know I've certainly retweeted some things. So feel free to uh, take a look there as well. But uh, yeah, overall, just kind of fun to watch. Like I was saying, he had... 11 points and uh, seven rebounds. You could uh, definitely tell he was uh, pretty geared up and uh, the adrenaline was pumping a little bit. He took a three 
uh, pretty early uh, when he got on the court there and uh, almost banked it in. So uh, <laughs> also he was uh, probably had some jitters and, uh, you know, was pretty excited to, uh, I'm sure, be on the floor for the first time at the NBA level. Um, it'll be just awesome to see kind of where he goes from here and what impact he has. Um, he looked, honestly, it was really interesting to watch. You know, you're always kind of curious. You know, you can see him how he looks on a college floor and we're so accustomed to that but on the nba floor he looked uh he looked bigger than i expected him to look um he looked longer than i expected him to look and uh and you know he certainly had some vintage Obi moves he uh put on guys in the game one that kind of sticks out and comes to mind was his uh, i believe it was his first bucket he got the ball on the block and did a little spin move uh baseline and got a quick layup on the baseline went right by his guy and kind of showed like, Hey, maybe, maybe he can play at this level. You know, you never know. It doesn't matter what draft pick you are. Um, you know, obviously it's great to go high because the money's good, but, um, you know, if you can play, you can play. And, uh, you know, he definitely looked the part. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the one highlight I saw was kind of vintage Obi on the fast break. He, he got a long rebound at about the free throw line extended and, Zoomed up the floor, probably took only about three or four dribbles, and kind of did a little give and go on the baseline. Ended up with an easy dunk, um, and that you know it, that impressed me just with his ability to get the ball up the floor. I know he did that quite a bit at UD, but again, pros are different. And then huge, you know, big disclaimer that this is still preseason, so try to take that with a grain, a little bit of a grain of salt. But you can still see the talent, no question, obviously. Um, but it's just still good to to see him use it so quickly in the NBA. Bobby, were you able to see any of it, or were you too busy moving? <laughs> uh, I was able to catch some of the, the highlights of it, but, uh, yeah, just like what you guys said, it was great to see him, uh, great to see him in a new uniform. I'd love to see him in a UD uniform again, but uh, <laughs> I'm probably not going to get that, so it was great to see him. And uh, I thought I saw some stuff that uh, – you know, we didn't see a ton of at UD, or not that immediately comes to mind. You know, what comes to mind are the highlight dunks. Uh, but what I liked that I saw from him was he was taking the ball out of the three-point line, but then he was driving in. Um, I saw one clip where he backed his guy down. And he, like, drove in, spun around, backed his guy down, got an and-one uh, layup, which was really nice to see him do. Like you said, the assist, uh, the give-and-go with Kevin Knox uh, was a big highlight with him throwing down that dunk. Uh, and just seeing him put up, you know, like an Obi Toppin stat line, 11.7 rebounds, like Thomas said. Um, he was 0 for 2 from the three-point line, but we know he can make those three-point shots. So I think that's just another area that he's going to be even more uh, difficult to guard once he starts, once he gets dialed in from that uh, NBA range. Yeah, I think another thing to add, too, is uh, me being, first of all, in the NBA, a huge Cavs fan. It was so disappointing to, obviously, uh, see us pass on him. And uh, we took Okoro, who is from Auburn. He's a 19-year-old, and he's got quite a physique on him. He's a he's a big boy for uh, for a three, and at 19 years old. Um, but I kind of watched the Cavs a little bit last night with Okoro, and he's kind of a defensive first guy. And I'm sure the offense will evolve. Um, but it kind of took Okoro a good three quarters before he kind of had this huge fourth quarter last night to actually win the game. Like he had a defensive stop and a layup, like literally in the last like 10 seconds of the game, which was kind of cool to see. But um, as I was kind of watching his first three quarters weren't very good offensively, you know, and he's picked again, he's, he's not a, 
he's, he's a defensive first guy right now, but he was picked three spots ahead of Obi. And then, you know, just watching Obi, it was kind of cool to see him literally from the time he touched the floor, how like involved he was in how much confidence he kind of seemed to have to put the ball on the floor and really try to score and like really try to impact the game. So um, he was certainly not shy. And, uh, you know, I think that's a good sign for the Knicks going forward. It's, you know, good to take a guy in the top 10 and, and have him kind of impact the game immediately. Yeah, for sure. That's an interesting lens for you to look at it through. Um, I hope for your sake, you're not always <laughs> comparing those two guys for the rest of their careers, but I totally get um, how awesome that would have been if, if Cleveland drafted Obi. Um, but I'm also really glad for him that he got to go to his hometown team. Uh, obviously, Cleveland would have been my second choice, you know, with his adopted home state in a way, playing for UD. But uh, I think he's going to do great things in his hometown. And, and being in his hometown is just going to add that extra little oomph uh, to his play and, and to his passion, I think. So definitely, again, just game one of the preseason, and, and we'll we'll keep an eye on him throughout the year, and I, we'll give updates kind of as we see fit, especially as the regular season gets going. He did not start. We'll get that out of the way. I know Tom Thibodeau is, you know, a pretty old school kind of coach. Um, he needs guys to prove it. So we'll see if if eventually Obi can can work his way into the starting lineup and and just keep making a big impact. Yeah, that's certainly going to be kind of uh, an interesting uh, story to watch because, uh, you know, I know the Knicks were, were dying to take him at eight, and they were so glad that he fell to them, especially, like you said, alluding to uh, him being the hometown kid. Um, but, uh, that you know, the Knicks, they have quite a few uh, forwards with Julius Randle, who they're paying some big money. Uh, they got Mitchell Robinson. They added Nerlens Noel in the off season. So, uh, you know, it's kind of a log jam down there. So like you said, it's going to be very interesting to see kind of a, a vet coach in Tibbs who's kind of a defensive first guy and kind of how he handles that rotation of sorts. And, uh, you know, only time will tell it's not too far away. Um, the season begins on the 22nd of, uh, this month. So, uh, just about a week and a half out. Yep. Yep. Yeah, Thomas. Uh, the only thing I wanted to add to that was, uh, before, before the regular season starts, uh, don't the Knicks play the Cavs in the preseason? So you'll get to watch your two guys go head-to-head there, won't you? Yes, sir. I think it's actually uh, – I could be mistaken, but I'm pretty sure it's this week. Um, I think the Cavs, they had the Pacers last night, and they play those guys again on Monday, which is, uh, I believe, Danny's squad, the Pacers. Um but, yeah, after the Pacers game, they played New York. So I'm pretty sure they're trying to stack as many preseason games in there as they possibly can before the uh, regular season. So I think that game is this week. So it should be fun to uh, watch. Yeah, absolutely. We'll see what happens. Again, um, eat your heart out there a little bit, Thomas, with <laughs> with what could have been. <laughs> yeah. But hope it, works out. hope it works out for both of you. I'm all in. Hey, as I'd rather. I just want to see him put up 20, and uh, and then see a Cavs W at the same time. That's what. That's all I'm in for. Yep. Exactly. All right. So uh, let's pivot back to the college game. UD played two games this past week. A 66 to 60 win over Northern Kentucky at UD Arena on Tuesday night, and then they pulled out a double overtime 85-82 win against Mississippi State. 
on Saturday. We're recording this on Sunday, so just yesterday. It's still pretty fresh in our minds. Um, so we're going to start with Mississippi State. And in a way, it was a continuation of, of the NKU game for me in a lot of ways, just with kind of the same issues and trends coming about uh, with this team. Uh, and I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that as well. What Kind of what you saw bridging those two games but then really focusing on on how it played out yesterday against. Bobby, you want to start with this one, or you want me to take it? Um, you know, I'll, I'll start with it. Uh, like I said, I didn't get to catch the first half too much. Um, I saw that we were down a little bit, uh, 25. We were, it was 33 to 25 uh, going uh, at halftime. Um, and luckily, I was able to pick the game up in the second half. And... Um, you know, from what I saw, it looked like I, I was glad to see Crusher um, come alive on the scoring end a little bit more and um, have a little bit more control of the offense. Um, but I think kind of like Danny said, that there's just some – that this team just has some uh, underlying issues that that obviously with the way the season is and everything have to be resolved. But I think that, that was something that I took away from it was, especially going into that – First overtime that the uh, that shot that Mississippi State got that three point shot tied up at sixty two, uh, it just, it just kind of like you could just kind of had a sinking feeling here. So I'm like, oh no, like is this is this what this season's going to be? And that was something I took from it. But glad to see the team pull it out. And uh, the one big takeaway I want to take is uh, that I saw that I really liked was that uh, Blanky uh, didn't seemed to disappear. When Chapman fouled out and Blakey had to come in and play, uh, even though he only had one shot, it was one of the biggest shots I've seen from a freshman in a long time and, and that I can in recent memory. So uh, it was good to see him be able to hit that three and play some solid solid defense. I wouldn't call it great or above average or anything, but it was solid. Um, and see the Flyers pull out that win. No, definitely. I... Uh... Definitely think there was a, a little bit of a bright spot there with uh, RJ, especially given his inexperience. You know, when I was looking at, when I was watching the game, um, I think my overall cliche or theme for it, if you will, was, um, you know, it was the tale of two halves. Um, I don't know how you guys feel about that, but um, kind of my tagline for that first half was just out of sync. Um, Mississippi State, Man, did they look big at every yep. position and athletic and long, and that really seemed to kind of uh, take us out of our flow and our offense. Um, you know, turnovers. We had, I believe, 20, 22 turnovers, I believe is what it was, in the NKU game. And uh, and that was just against NKU. I mean, a team that was not physically imposing like Mississippi State was yesterday. And I think we ended the first half with – eight turnovers to their four. And when I talk about turnovers, man, it really felt like before the eight turnovers that we had, they really kind of converted on in transition or scored a bucket in uh, once they got their offense set up just off our turnover in general. And uh, obviously they only had four, which isn't a terrible number. Um, obviously you want turnovers to be, um, as minimal as possible, but you know, they're going to happen with, you know, just basic travels or whatever, you know, here or there, you know, just basic mishandling. So you have to expect a few, but eight was kind of getting on that trend kind of towards what the NKU game was. And 
and I know Coach Grant was kind of uh, stressing that in the postgame uh, presser against uh, NKU, just how he was just kind of disappointed with uh, the number of turnovers and the careless errors they were kind of making on the floor. And uh, you kind of saw it rear its ugly head again in that first half, and that's why we had 25 points. And honestly, like I felt like that game could have really gotten out of hand. I felt like it could have been a double-digit um, you know, lead Mississippi State could have had. They had just so many second-chance opportunities that they couldn't convert on. And, uh, you know, on top of um, just being out of rhythm and out of flow on offense and the turnovers, <clears throat> excuse me, um, you know, we were two of nine from three. So really nothing going for us on that end um, or in that half and uh, was certainly kind of a cause for concern going into the second half. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you're, I think you're right on about kind of how lucky we were to, to only be down eight in that first half. And I took the same thing away, really, with just with how imposing Mississippi State was. Definitely your prototypical SEC team. Ben Howland's been down there for a few years now and um, hasn't really been able to build quite as much as I might have expected with his success at UCLA and Pitt in the past. But kind of what you were expecting from from an SEC team against an A-10 team. And I'm not trying to, you know, put us down at all, but this is kind of how it's always played out through the years. When you get these high major matchups, they are just going to be bigger and stronger at every position. Just kind of naturally works that way. But really the kind of the luckiest thing that kept us in the game was Mississippi State's terrible free throw percentage. Uh, They finished 9 of 22 for the game. And in that first half, they were 5 of 11, so... I guess a little bit better, but definitely still not good. Um, so that kept us within arm's reach. And then obviously, I'm guessing uh, Coach Grant was pretty motivating at halftime, let's say, because they came out with a 9-0 run and just kind of turned the game on its head. And from then on, it was it was really a, an even fight uh, to the end, really, with just trading punches and, and those those overtimes. Yeah, I'll tell you what, I think in that second half, just to kind of add, like you alluded to, the energy seemed to be a lot better. Uh, We kind of got off to a quick start, which we carried that momentum through to a lead, you know, very quickly. Um, I was was impressed. I feel like in the past, you know, we have uh, at least, you know, as Grant first came on board, we kind of dogged him a little bit. We didn't you know, we said he could really recruit, but he uh, never really made the adjustments you were looking for. And I felt like they, the offense looked different when they came out in the second half. Um, they just had more rhythm, more flow. There were definitely some different sets. I feel like um, a lot of times, and I know, Danny, you kind of felt the same way when we were just kind of texting back and forth um, yesterday, was when they kind of go stagnant, you see a lot of passing along the perimeter and not a lot of penetration or inside game at all. And uh, it felt like, at least at the start of that second half, they were able to uh, definitely get some sets where they got some movement inside and out and uh, were able to knock down some looks and get get some easy layups as well. Exactly, yeah. Even in the first half, it seemed like, for my untrained eye, they by far had their most success with some high-low, like big-to-big passing. There were a couple nice finds from uh i know chase found sissoko down low i can't remember if he actually was able to finish that's kind of been his problem uh these first few games for sissoko he he gets into position and then he is just not always able to convert um but i liked that action where 
know, guys were just finding the open man, even if it was just a big to big, which you don't usually see. Um, but yeah, definitely that second half, things just seemed to open up more and, and really who knows, I'm sure it was a combination of, of different strategy and maybe just some fatigue setting in. Um, but definitely guys like Crutcher and Ibby were knifing into, into the lane a little more and, and just finding some opportunities. Bobby, what did you see that really stuck out? Um, I agree with what you guys were saying, uh, in the overtime, uh, yeah, what I liked uh, about the overtime, and it kind of goes for both teams, but um, Thomas brought up in the first half, we were two of nine from uh, the three-point line. And then in the second half, um, we didn't improve much. We went three of 10. So to, in overtime, to see them go in the first overtime, they were two for two from the three-point line. And then uh, in the second one being one for one. So to me, that's what stuck out is that those were, better shots and it kind of speaks to what you guys said excuse me about the offense looking more fluid and then being able to make uh adjustments that i feel like sometimes like thomas was saying when we pass when the offense isn't moving we pass the ball around the perimeter and then we just chuck up a three uh and sometimes you know we saw Jalen crusher he can make those um hand in his face threes but it was nice to see that uh we were able to work inside more. And in the first overtime, you know, we were three or five for field goals inside. And that was good to see. And then in the second one, uh, we made our three baskets that we had. So uh, just seeing that kind of guys lock in in those overtimes, um, you know, it was really nice. There was, that's not to say there wasn't any issues. Uh, which was it the first or the second overtime that uh, Jordy just fell down and uh, Jalen threw the ball away? I think it, it, it matter, but yeah, I think it was the second. Still a, yes, so there's still areas to improve uh, on things like that, but uh, overall, I think it was just that these guys were able to walk in and that they didn't fold um, under the pressure of you know a double overtime game, like you guys said, against a bigger, stronger team uh, to the odds. Yeah, for sure. And, and Thomas, I'll kind of piggyback on your tale of two halves comment. Um, you know, it was definitely true for for the team in general, but then. I thought especially for, for Watson and Chase Johnson, who were both, um, you know, kind of disappearing acts in that first half. I don't, I remember especially Johnson really struggled in my eyes um, just to kind of keep up with, with their strength. He uh, only had a couple free throws for points in the first half, did have three rebounds. But I also remember a couple, at least a couple times just getting beat pretty easily on defense, either falling for a pump fake or just not moving his feet well enough. Um, but then Chase really had a strong rest of the game, as did Ibby Watson. Ibby especially, he's just he's kind of an, an enigma to me um, because he can show off that he can get into the lane and distribute really well. He had a, a few really nice assists, you know, just bouncing it to Chase or Jordy for easy finishes. But then he'll also get in there and, and throw up a wild shot. Um, he did have one go in late, which was, which was really good. Um, and, you know, he makes things look easier maybe than they are to me. And and I, and it makes me think that he's just kind of reaching out there, but I, I think he did kind of have a plan for that shot. It was that floater as he was going to his left, but put it up with his right. Um, but those two guys I thought really responded after struggling in the first half and, and they were huge keys for the rest of the game. Yeah, no, I, uh, definitely agree. Um, 
you know, two two people I kind of noted in this game. And, and first, before I even get into that, you're right, Danny. I mean, as far as Chase goes, uh, I just remember, like, three plays in the first half. He caught the ball at the three-point um, arc, and he dribbled it into the paint, like, kind of going towards the middle. And he got it taken away from him every time there. That was three of our seven or eight turnovers in, uh, in the first half. So, um, you definitely, you know, love to see the versatility and the ability for him to put it on the deck and uh, try to make a play. But, you know, if it's uh, if it's going that way, if it's going south where uh, you're losing it every time you're putting it on the deck, definitely a struggle. And so he certainly had a much better second half. And, you know, I think we said it last week. I mean, he's going to be an integral part um, of our success this season. We need him to play well. He is very athletic, gifted kid down low. And I know even Ryan Mikesell, was ranting and raving about him on uh, Twitter the other day, just saying he's, you know, he's a stud, he's a player. And, uh, and I think we all definitely see, um, you know, shades of that for sure. Um, but kind of like you were saying, um, I have two people that I really kind of wanted to highlight in this game. It was Ibby last week. We talked about what a quiet scorer he was and is. And um, I just said, I really hope that, when we really need to get a bucket and maybe the rest of the team struggling that he's the guy who can say, you know, give me the ball and uh, let me get some, I think is what I said last week. And, uh, and that's what he did with 33 seconds left in double OT. He, uh, you know, hit that little floater and um, you know, while he struggled and seemed out of sync in that first half, um, it felt like it was just a matter of time. He just needed to see one of those threes go. And uh, I just remember him kind of early in that double OT Mississippi State went up three, and then uh, we had like a turnover, a missed bucket. They went down, and, and I mean, it looked like they should have made a bucket. And then we went down, and he hit this like NBA three, which kind of got things back on track because, you know, you get in these overtime games, you got five minutes in it, and you think that's a lot of time, but it's really not because, you know, you really need to build those leads so that when you get down to that last minute, you know, if you have a double scorer lead with, with a minute left, it's going to be really hard to overcome that, especially with the 30 second shot clock. Right. Yeah. So, um, definitely awesome to see Ibby really come alive and, uh, and, uh, turn things around in the second half and really just, you know, get us through those overtimes, um, you know, as a score and as a willing score. Um, and then I'll tell you what, I think kind of my star of the game, like, get, don't get me wrong. Ibby hit that big shot and, Crusher had his moments as well, but and Chase as well. But Chapman, his aggressiveness yesterday, defensively and offensively, I don't give that. I don't give that guy a, a lot of credit. Uh, sometimes he frustrates me because he's so good on D and kind of lackluster on the offensive end at times. Um, you know, just when you need a three uh, from him, it, it never seems to go. But he really came out. He had a steal within like the first minute they came out on D. He was guarding full court and had a steal for a quick layup. And uh, he also got in and penetrated and, and, and got another layup as well. And he just really seemed to uh, bring the energy. And I obviously know he fouled out in those um, in that overtime um, series. But um, I, I think without him, we lose that game yesterday. I don't know how you guys feel. I would agree with that. I think he definitely set the tone, like you said, in that second half. You'll find, um, and part of me thinks this is as much like playing the mental game as it is strategy, but he'll just start face guarding his guy all the way up the floor, kind of at random times. He did that against NKU, I remember, and especially their point guard, I didn't really think was, um, you know, a big focal point of their offense. 
they didn't necessarily need him to bring it up the floor, but but Chapman just decided to to kind of get up in his face full court, um, if only just to kind of send a message that, you know, I can lock you down if I really want to, and he did. Um, and I kind of felt that same energy in that second half early on against Mississippi State where he just decided he was going to really lock in and, and make things happen defensively. And I agree with both of you. Six and nine shooting, uh, 15 points, and uh, that's a lot for him. I know it's a double overtime game, but you got to remember he fouled out in the first overtime, which uh, still trying to understand how that call went down. Uh, he got fouled and they got a flagrant, so that took away the foul on the other guy. But uh, not to get into that too much, but that was just an interesting sequence, I thought, there. Uh, but yeah, like you said, when it, it was good to see him be aggressive there get his point and um you know i i thought he was definitely helping keep the team in, in the second half um so it was good to see that and then as i mentioned earlier even though he fouled out it was good to see uh lightning come in and not uh not be alive so i did just want to kind of put a bow on this game and, and bobby you definitely already brought up blakeney and that huge shot he hit uh at the end of the first overtime to tie it up and kind of tying together Another point from earlier is Ibby Watson, who found him on a drive pretty wide open on the baseline. And it was something I'd kind of noticed since Blakeney came in after Chapman fouled out. He had a couple other opportunities, I feel like, when he was pretty wide open uh, beyond the three-point line. And I feel felt like I could kind of see his his brain working like, oh, I, I don't think I should be taking these shots this late, um, which I go back and forth on, you know, if you want guys to think like that, if you're on the floor, you, you got to make plays if you're given the opportunity, but you also got to show that you can do it. Um, so I kind of appreciate him passing it off at least early on when we could have gotten a better shot, but then, you know, obviously 15 seconds left in the corner, you got to put that. Oh, it was massive. I mean, that was, that was a huge turning point. I mean, it's really funny because, uh, you know, we go up two, it's five seconds left, and Molinar goes all the way down the floor in five seconds, and you're thinking, man, UD's going to win this game, and then we're tied. And then you go into the first overtime, and, you know, Mississippi State, obviously we have a chance, Mississippi State's up three, and you're thinking, all right, you know, ball, you know, ball's in our court, but, I mean, they, they got a better chance of, of winning in, in overtime here. And then, you know, Blakeney, of all people, it's a three in the corner. And you're just like, oh, my gosh. So you went from thinking UD's going to win to Mississippi State's going to win to, all right, let's go to double overtime. So really awesome to see him to see him step up there. I had just a couple things. Um, you know, I know you're, you're trying to put a ball on this game, Danny, but um, just kind of some overall interesting stats. Um, first is uh, Mississippi State. Do you guys have any idea how many field goals they had yesterday? Made or attempted? Attempted. It was 74 field goals yesterday to our 55. So they had 19 more shots than we had. So that just goes to show how many little bunnies around the rim that they kind of missed um, because Mississippi State had – this shocked me, but Mississippi State only won the rebound battle thirty-three to thirty-two, but but sixteen of their rebounds were offensive rebounds. Yeah, that's not so, gonna, that's not going to fly normally. That is that is something that absolutely has to be cleaned up. Um, you know, we got Chase and we got Jordy down there. We're bigger down low than we were last year. We have to find 
ways to rebound, and it's not solely on those two guys. Um, the guards certainly need to step up and do the same. But, but man, that is that is massive. 16 offensive rebounds, that's a lot. And then um, I thought this was really interesting as well. Mississippi State would have been a bad loss, in my opinion, because they were picked preseason, and preseason is preseason, but they were picked 12 out of 12 in the SEC to finish this year in the league. Wow. I don't, yeah. I don't know if it shocked you guys, but I was just like, wow, because that Stewart, that lefty, DJ Stewart, was solid, and that Molinar, the point guard, thought he was really solid too. I mean, to think that they picked those guys 12 out of 12, it really made me think this was a must-win for us. I mean, it was almost a lose-lose. Like, if we lose the game, I mean, after losing the SMU, well, then you're really down because you just lost to SMU, and then you just lost to a team that was picked last in their – last in their league and uh so anyways it just uh really felt like a must win and just glad they obviously pulled it out but if you look at the stats from field goals turnovers we lost 17 to 14 and you know rebounds we lost overall but really more so on their on Mississippi State's offensive rebounding side I mean you just think man all these numbers stacked up against you and you still pulled off a win uh, you know, we grinded it out, and it's and it's good to see, and it's a momentum win. But uh, they certainly have some things to clean up. Yeah, for sure. Definitely was not the prettiest game, but a win's a win, especially right now. And um, we'll see, we'll see how they go from here, and what they can take from film, and and try to clean up. Um, because yeah, I, I totally agree. Already losing one opportunity against, you know, maybe not a high major, but a really good program in SMU. And it was so eerie how similar uh, those two games kind of went, especially late. I don't want to spend too much time because I'll just get upset. <laughs> but I don't know how twice now we've let let a guy get all the way down the floor in like six seconds. Um, it's just, I don't know how you don't clean that up. I don't know how you don't stop that from happening in the first place. But then especially the first time it happens, I don't know how you let it happen uh, just like a week or so later. But again, we'll just, we'll hope they... Maybe change some strategy there just to try to get a little more um, action against the, the ball handler early on, not letting him be so free. Yeah, you'd like to blame it on, you know, just a, a lack of, you know, uh, experience. But, I mean, everyone in our starting lineup is, uh, you know, an upperclassman. So you just expect better and you certainly don't expect, um, you know, teams back-to-back in, a, you know, in back-to-back games or whatever, you know, I know we had NKU in between, but, you know, essentially in back-to-back games, you know, in the, put in the same situation and essentially they could get a bucket with, you know, sub 10 seconds left on the clock and when they got to go full court. So definitely needs to be cleaned up, like you said, Danny. Yep, absolutely. Any any final thoughts from you, Bobby, on this game? Uh, no, I'm just I'm taken back right now that uh, Danny or Thomas is going for my numbers uh, title there. You know he's coming up with these hard <laughs> stats. I'm gonna have to step up here in this next segment. You were throwing those out last week, and I thought, dang, I gotta step up my game. Like, <laughs> this dude's coming with it. No, I love it. I love it. <laughs> All right. Um, I know we mentioned the NKU game a little bit. Um, definitely not too much more for me to take. From that game, at least, you know, big picture, um, we did see the offense open up a little bit more, especially kind of early in the second half once again when UD really stretched out that lead. 
but then as it kind of seems to happen with this team or even with this program over the years, they'll just kind of let teams back in it. They'll keep them within arm's reach, but you know, they'll make it too close for comfort and they, they kind of did the same thing with NKU who did really impress me. Uh, I know they've been kind of the, the class of the horizon league the last few years. They did lose their coach uh, after two seasons ago. He, he went up to UC, but Darren Horn's a, a really solid college basketball coach. He's been around a long time, so it doesn't seem like they've missed too much of a beat. Um, so I did like the challenge they provided. I know, Thomas, you were you were pretty confident last week uh, about what, what we should have done in that game, but, again, I'll take any win right now. Yeah, yeah, wins are... Uh... Wins are huge right now. I mean, with, you know, being in the COVID era, if you will, um, you know, a win's a win, and that's going to carry momentum. And, you know, we might have 25 games on the schedule, but, um, you know, we might only play 20. So, you know, there, there may be only so many opportunities out there. And, um, you know, like you said, a win's a win, and, and they're all big right now, especially early, just to kind of build the momentum and, uh, you know, kind of prove to this team that, you know, they still got it a little bit. Uh, obviously, plenty to work on, but uh, but like you said, a win's a win. I'll tie in Blakeney a little bit again, if, if we can kind of make this a whole week thing for him. He um, had a nice little spurt against NKU. That you know, a bit of a coming out party for a freshman. He just had a, a really nice series. I know he he hit a, a mid range jumper, just took it in rhythm, and and swished it in, and then had a nice tip in on kind of a bad crutcher layup attempt. But Blakeney was right there to clean it up, and then he drew a charge, I think, on that very next defensive possession. So that was maybe kind of his his start of of getting comfortable in the system and and just kind of feeling his way in as a freshman. And then obviously he he took it into that Mississippi State game and just did what he had to do. Yeah, I think, uh, Bobby, I don't mean to keep uh, going and taking any of your airwaves away, but, uh, you know, not a ton to add as far as the NKU game is concerned. Um, you know, I thought, you know, turnovers, for example, we've already kind of touched on. There were 22 of them against NKU, which, you know, is just unacceptable for, um, you know, having, uh, you know, Ibby and Chapman and, and Crutcher, you know, at the guard positions, you know, they're all upperclassmen. You just expect better. Um, and uh, you don't expect zero turnovers a game because there's always going to be a few here and there. But, uh, you know, 22 is quite a lot. I think the, uh, the story of the NKU game uh, could kind of be broken down into uh, kind of three stages, if you will. I thought it was really interesting. We got off to such a slow start, and it was such a slow finish for us. Um, we started down 16-8 in the first uh, nine minutes of the game in the first half. So we were down 16-8 then, and then we were um, up 53-41, so 12-point lead with essentially uh, 10 minutes left in the game in the second half. So in those two runs, the, basically the first 10 minutes of the game and the last 10 minutes of the game, NKU beat us 35-21. That was a 35-21 run, basically. First 10 minutes, last 10 minutes. In the middle 20 minutes, that's 45-25 run that we went on. So I thought that was really interesting, and uh, I was really hoping that that wouldn't uh, 
you know, show itself in the Mississippi State game. And, you know, obviously we got off to another slow start, but we were able to hang in there enough. And uh, and our second half was just far better than I think we've played all year to uh, get back in that game and to, uh, to, to get the W in the end. Yeah, Thomas, I was told there'd be no math. So those were uh, a little, <laughs> little too many numbers there for me. That's that, fair, fair. that's that financial I, mind of yours working. Yeah, that's the accounting mind of mine working. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think, I think Bobby's on to something. I, I had no numbers last week, and now I'm, you know, extreme on the numbers this week. So uh, maybe i got to find that happy uh, medium. No, man, I, I'm just messing with you. I'm just messing with you. It's definitely – you can't ignore that. Um, cannot ignore those kind of those weird stretches with both extremes. You definitely want more consistency in general. Um I do feel like we, we, we do need to at least bring up that I thought mo- a lot of our struggles were because of NKU's zone. It was a pretty interesting zone kind of matchup, but even more so, you know, almost a hybrid man-to-man in zone at some times. I felt like they kind of chose who to follow um, more closely for sure at different points. It seemed like they would even just kind of switch up who who they were going to stick on to, and it took a while for us to to get used to it quite honestly, and I think eventually zone and defenses like that, I think, take so much concentration from your opponent, um, and they just had some lapses as the game went on that, that we were able to capitalize on. Uh, I want to piggyback off that real quick, Danny. Uh, did either of you guys watch any previous North Northern Kentucky games? No. Nope. Uh, like, I just just curious if that zone is what they cons- uh, consistently run, or if they switch that up just for us. Uh, yeah, it's a good because... question. I don't know. I'll try to watch more of them as the as the season goes on, at least to see in the future if, if they keep playing it. Because that's a really good point that you brought up with the concentration on a zone. Um, they actually had a guy, Adrian Nelson, who was leading the NCAA. I, I know it's only five games in or whatever it is, but uh, he was leading the NCAA with uh, almost 15 rebounds a game, and we held him to four. Um, so I thought that was very cool how they were able to uh, – Kind of, you know, a guy like that, a guy that has a knack to find the ball um, coming off the rim, we were able to hold him to four rebounds. I thought that was a great stat. Thomas brought up um, kind of the how it was a game of runs. And um, from the 10 minute, about the 10 minute mark, I think it was, to about the six minute mark, uh, we went six for six on field goals. Uh, and I, you know, I think that's a pretty big stretch to be able to play that consistently. But then one thing, as we've brought up multiple times already, you know, the turnovers are definitely something we have to figure out how to correct. Um, uh, I know, of, like on eleven of them in the Dayton game, or eleven of the turnovers State had, they uh, Northern Kentucky was able to score uh, fourteen points off of those. So that's definitely something that um, even when we have those, we got to find a way to get back and uh, you know stop the ball, which we've brought up multiple times on this as well. So. Yep, absolutely. There's there's definitely trends that are that are showing up with this team, both good and bad, and it's just up to the staff and all, obviously ultimately the players to kind of take ownership and and just keep getting better. It's cliche, but you know, just keep improving every day, keep fixing your mistakes, and and hopefully they'll just keep keep getting better and and just as the season goes on, just get more consistent. All right, so we're going to transition here to a new segment here that was created by Thomas called Brick or Bucket. Thomas, you want to give a little explanation of 
of what we're going to do here. This is brand new to, to Bobby and me. We, we, we told him to, uh, to not let us know anything so we can get some natural reactions here. Absolutely. Yes. Happy to. So, um, you know, I just think as uh, we continue this podcast, we were just kind of hoping, um, you know, week by week, maybe to add something new or to uh, kind of run with a segment uh, similar to, to to this. So um, in its inaugural um, Richter Bucket episode here or segment, um, essentially, I'm going to ask Danny and Bobby uh, a series of statements um, just based off watching the game, and I want their take. Uh, obviously, brick meaning uh, they disagree, they think it's a bad take, or bucket, they're all in. And so you guys certainly can't get gray with this one. You got to take one side or the other. You guys ready to go? Yeah. Sure. Yeah, Bobby, you can you can take the first answer, and then we'll alternate. That sounds, sounds good. good to you. Sounds like a plan. Here we go. Number one for Bricker Bucket. Coach Grant keeping RJ Blakeney on the floor. The final five minutes of regulation, not OT, regulation was a good call. Ooh. I'm going to go with the bucket because we won the game. <laughs> <laughs> Simplistic answer there. I love it. I love it. That's definitely true. Yeah, I'll, I'll go with Bucket, too, uh, really just because, obviously, there's been some other guys that we haven't talked about, really, that are just not seeing the floor right now, and there's got to be a reason. So I think if Blakeney is seeing the floor, especially in those high-pressure situations, he's definitely earned it. And, you know, especially hitting that shot later on in the corner, um, I think he's he's definitely kind of building himself some some reputation of, of being able to stay on the floor and, and give some really solid minutes as a freshman. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, just for my take, obviously we've touched on, on RJ a little bit in this episode. Um, I know you both have, um, you know, it was, it was just kind of cool to see a different lineup in there. And, uh, just to kind of see Grant, it was kind of, uh, you know, the first hand he showed, um, at, you know, as far as uh, kind of trusting a freshman to be in there in critical minutes. Um, you know, we talked about the lack of playing time in episode one from, from freshmen, and we obviously noted some good minutes from Sissoko in week one. But to uh, to see, you know, RJ go from basically not playing at all to, you know, being in there in the most important, you know, part of the game, um, you know, speaks a lot about, you know, maybe what he's doing behind the scenes. So, um, you know, definitely we'll see this unfold more. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of excited to see, you know, where he goes from here. So he definitely showed uh, spurts of, um, you know, being able to guard multiple positions and uh, he uh, skied for a couple rebounds that I didn't expect. And so uh, he's definitely got some athleticism. Um, it'll be cool to see if uh, obviously hit that three in overtime, but it'll be cool to see if that that shot can develop and he can be a guy that we can kind of consistently go to for a shot here or there. Um, obviously, he's not going to be the main focal point, but uh, but definitely just wanted to see if you guys thought that was a good take because Jordy was uh, was was on the bench at that point, so thought that was definitely interesting. Um, how about number two here? Uh, overall freshman performance through four games this year has been suspect. Um, I'll have to say bucket and agree with you. 
really because Blakeney's all, basically the only guy that we've seen. Uh, Zimmy has played a little bit early on, but did not see the floor against Mississippi State, which I unfortunately think speaks volumes to uh, what he's shown in practice, or I guess maybe what he hasn't shown because of how shorthanded we were, and especially because Wilson didn't play at all either. So Grant obviously knew going into that game how short his rotation was going to be, and it you know he stuck with it. Obviously, as as we even as we got into double overtime, he just didn't want to put a fresh guy in there. Um, so the fact that Blakeney's kind of the only one that we've been able to see. I know I saw Luke Frazier didn't even make the trip to Atlanta. I think he has his he had his appendix removed. I think I saw. Um, so just do want to give that out in fairness that he didn't even get the opportunity to uh, to see the floor, but he hadn't played all year. So probably would not have played against Mississippi State. Um, so yeah, I would say it's it's been pretty suspect so far, but just hoping to see more and more of them as they keep practicing and, and earn Grant's trust. Yeah, I agree with Danny on that. Uh, I think your uh, deadly suspect is a bucket for sure. Um, Zimmy was going to be my X factor this year. It, just as Danny alluded to, him not seeing the floor definitely speaks volumes about um, – kind of what they thought about him matching up with this team going into this game. And then just looking back at the kind of the limited minutes, I thought for sure he was going to be the top backup at the three and the four spot, uh, something out Ibby and something out Chase. And uh, that hasn't been the case, um, you know, to, to, to the extent that I thought it would be for him coming in as a redshirt freshman. So uh, I think that's true. Like uh, Danny said, Frazier hasn't seen the court. Um, I believe Rea is Kobe. Rea, Rea yep. is still injured. Um, he had a. I saw. I know Grant said he had an upper body injury, but I haven't heard exactly what it is or a timeline on it. Um, so yeah. So I mean, really, like you guys, like Danny said, he blank. He is the one that we've seen, and even though his performance has been solid, I would give it a solid grade. Um, I don't think it's enough to make up for the suspiciousness of the rest of the class so far. <laughs> yeah, I know. I think those are uh, good points, and, and I tend to agree with you both. I, I certainly think we've seen, um, you know, flashes um, with Sissoko in week one. He was kind of a highlight, highlighted freshman then, and then obviously RJ this week. But, you know, if you just look at the overall impact freshmen have had, you know, through four games, um, you know, it hasn't been a ton and, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's not disappointing, um, but it just shows that, um, you know, we're really going to rely on, you know, kind of our starting, our starting five to really, you know, pull the load and, and, um, you know, it certainly hurts a little bit. Um, we haven't really mentioned this name much, um, Cohill. You know, just him having that ACL injury and being out this season, right? Um, I think kind of impacts things a little bit too. But, um, but you know, time will tell. I mean, clearly, you know, we weren't talking about RJ Blakeney last week, and and here we are. You know, seeing him hit a big shot and you know in a big moment, and uh, you know, kind of help propelling us to uh, to a victory, um, impacting uh, the game on kind of both sides of the floor and, um, you know, definitely, definitely bright spots, but I would definitely have to say, you know, with all the hype I kind of saw, um, coming in, I expected more playing time and at least, you know, a little bit more shine from the freshmen, I think as a group overall. So, um, 
let's move on to number three here. Um, Jalen Crusher. We haven't really talked a ton about him today. Um, but I just wanted to ask the question or make the statement. Uh, Jalen Crutcher's performance versus NKU and Mississippi State this week was more of the same from what we saw in week one. So more of the same of what we saw from week one. My yeah. initial reaction is that's a brick. Um, and my reasoning, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, I felt he came – he had more scoring, especially in this Mississippi State game, um, and then having 17 points in the uh, 17 points in the NKU game, eight assists, and I think he only had two turnovers in that game. Uh, I thought that was more of the Jalen we knew, uh, in my opinion, um, and then. In the Mississippi State game, I know he had some more turnovers, but I feel like some of those weren't as much his fault. So I, I would, I'm gonna say it's a brick on this one, in that I think he's turning, he's starting to get into a groove, and he's gonna, he's shown. I'd say this week he's shown more of the Jalen Crusher we know than the first week. Am I allowed to split my vote? Oh, damn. <laughs> it's a brick or a bucket. <laughs> Um, cause I was still pretty frustrated with him, uh, in the first half of, N- of the NKU game. I mean, I know he had a, like a quick five points, I think, um, probably about midway through the first half, but then he kind of heat checked himself and took a three with his heels basically at, on the D logo. And it was way short. And I get that, you know, he's going to have the ball in his hands the most. He's going to be the guy that we're going to look to the most for scoring, but I wish he just had a little more discipline. Um, but honestly, it seemed like after that shot, who knows if someone said something to him, but really from that shot on and then into the Mississippi State game, I think he was more like he had been his first three years, especially last year. Um, he was just consistent, usually made the right decisions. Um, and hell, he played 50 minutes yesterday. So just, you know, a hell of a showing, I think, from him for a senior point guard. It's kind of what you want to see. Like you said, Bobby, he did have six turnovers. Um... But kind of amazingly, he split those like completely evenly throughout the game. He had two in each half, and then one in each overtime. So I guess if you want to put a kind of a spin on it, you know, he didn't have a big stretch of of terrible play throughout the game. It was just kind of turnovers here and there. And like you said, some of those will happen, and then some of those might not have even really been his fault. So I think he was really solid yesterday, and and gave us what we what we're gonna need from him really all year. So you guys are both against me on that one. Um, you know, my take is, listen, you know, he, he, I think, certainly played a little bit better, showed more flashes. But I think, you know, on the surface, if you're looking at the, uh, if you're looking at his stat line alone, and I know maybe that's not the most fair approach, but you'll see he had 17 points on uh, against NKU. And then he had 23 yesterday. Um, but, you know, overall, if you look at uh, kind of what he was shooting from the floor, he shot 6 of 16 against NKU, which is uh, 37%. And he shot uh, 8 of 18 yesterday, um, which was 44%. Last year, just to give you guys a little bit of a baseline, he shot 47% overall and uh, 42% percent from three so um i still think those numbers are are down a little bit um 
which is why I kind of wanted to get your guys' take on this. Um, so far this year, he's shooting 39% overall from the floor and uh, sub 30, uh, actually 28.6% from three. So, you know, some of that obviously has, um, you know, something to do with, you know, just his inability to get things going in week one. And, you know, it's not to take away from what he did yesterday, um, especially against Mississippi State. He got off to a really good start, which we needed. Um but, you know, I just felt like late yesterday when we really needed him, um, you know, it was it was other guys who were who were scoring buckets to kind of keep things going. And he kind of had a drought there um, where he was like, I think he missed probably four, three, four buckets in a row. Um, and it was just kind of frustrating. You were just kind of really hoping he would get one of those floaters to go or knock a three down in, the, in that time when it was really pivotal. And uh, not taking away and saying he had a bad game yesterday, but just uh, – he might be he might be getting closer, but still don't think he's quite there yet. So on to number four. Um, fourth and final point here. Um, is a small ball lineup with Chase at the five, Jordy on the bench, and RJ Blakeney in the game our best lineup. Um I'm gonna say brick, but with the disclaimer that it's it's gonna depend on the opponent. Um I do still really like what Jordy can bring. Again, I wish he was a little more consistent, but I think we touched on it a little bit last week. Um, you know, in my opinion, the game could always use a really good big who's just going to bang down low and and get some, you know, kind of easy layups or putbacks on offensive rebounds. Um, but that's not to say I don't want to keep seeing that lineup. Definitely want to see the versatility, as much versatility as we can get if we're only playing like six or seven guys. So, I guess there's not too much tinkering Grant can do with with that few of players, but um, I'll say ultimately a brick because I do think Jordy needs to be out there. Yeah, I'm gonna have to agree with Danny on this one. Uh, I I agree that depending on the matchup, uh, I can see where Jordy becomes a liability, but I think overall uh, the experience that Jordy has uh, and his size are more of a benefit in the lineup right now than not having him in the lineup. Uh, if you look back at just some quick numbers off the games, Jordy was the leading rebounder against Eastern Illinois with eight. He was the leading rebounder against uh, SMU with 12. So like Danny said, just getting those getting those rebounds, do quick putbacks. Uh, I still think him being in the game uh, is a deterrent to drive the lane. I know in the last in the couple games we've seen that like the Mississippi State game going to overtime and the SMU game, those guys have driven the bucket. He's been right there uh, and the shot has gone in, but I still think that his presence down there is a deterrent uh, to some degree. Uh, but we'll see. I mean, with if Blank, if Blankney keeps developing at this rate, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, but I think one thing that Danny did mention is also Chase is, Chase is still figuring out post-defense, in my opinion. Um, he's just not a solid post in post defense. He can get kind of beat back up by some guys. Uh, so I think that also having Jordy there is a help so that he can play help side and uh, kind of give Chase a little bit of help on the defensive end as well. Yeah, I think those are all really good points. Um, you know, we'll obviously kind of see this unfold as the season goes. I think if anything, um, you know, you can just – present teams a different look and I think that's you know truly the uh, most important thing um, 
you know, especially when you're relying on, um, you know, so much from your starting five, you know, if you can throw a guy in like RJ and, and you know, and play small for, you know, a five, 10 minutes for or whatever it may be. Um, or if one book is not really working, which is what Grant seemed to pick up on the other day, you know, just to kind of switch it up and, um, you know, give the, give the other team a different uh, flow, a different look that they kind of have to adjust to on the fly that maybe they weren't expecting um, is I think going to be kind of key, you know, for them and uh, just something to kind of keep an eye on um, as the season kind of plays out. So, um, so overall, uh, I think that kind of wraps up our bricker bucket. Um, Danny, I kind of got to send this back to you. I'm, I'm, I'm only a color guy. I, I can't believe I was even able to lead a segment like that. <laughs> No, that was great. I, I really appreciate it. Those were some some thought provoking questions. Um, so, and I like you like you said. I think it was important to uh, to hide those from us until now, so we can really get uh, natural responses. So, thanks again for for coming up with those. I do want to say just on the last question, I even with my answer, I still think Chase Johnson really kind of holds the key to this season. Um, and we touched on it earlier, but. If he can become that consistent third scorer, it's going to be huge, and especially because you know he is a front court guy. So teams, if 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 he's not consistent, then teams can just lock down our our perimeter guys, and it, it could be painful at times this season. But if he can open up things down low, um, I think it's going to go a long way for us. So he's still incredibly important, but I do think he might still be best with Jordy because Bobby, that was a great point from you about the help that Jordy can give Chase down low on defense if, if he gets beat. So I, I do think that tandem is still best on the floor together. Yeah, I, I really like the segment. I expect uh, to have uh, Ricker Bucket next week too. Yeah, so Thomas, start, start thinking. Absolutely. Start thinking, Happy Thomas. together. Will do. I'll have to come up with some more uh, creative statements to get you guys really thinking. Yeah, exactly. I, I like it. I like that. I like the initial, just like Danny said, not knowing they coming in and being like, just what, what what came to my mind first. Yep. Yep. For sure. So you you brought up next week, Bobby. That that'll just lead us right into kind of wrapping up here today. Uh, UD's got one game next week. It's a week from yesterday against Ole Miss at UD Arena. It's a two thirty tip. It's our first game that's going to be on uh, NBC Sports Network, it looks like, on Saturday. So, um, Thomas, you're going to have to borrow my YouTube TV again? <laughs> Is it on ESPNU again? Is that what no, you just said? No, it's on NBC Sports Network. Do you... Oh, I think I got that one. All right. I think I got it. <laughs> <laughs> Good deal. Who knew, that you could, who knew you could spend so much money for cable and not get the actual channel that they're on? Especially when it's ESPN. Right. Yeah, I thought this was 2020. <laughs> Unreal. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, again, you know, interesting, another SEC matchup. Ole Miss, I believe it was picked uh, pretty far down in the in the SEC preseason. I can check on that really quick here while you guys um, want to just give a, maybe some parting thoughts on what you hope to see, see from the Flyers next Saturday. Yeah, um, I'll jump on this. I, I just speaking of Ole Miss real quick. I find it interesting. They're two and zero right now. Their first three games got canceled. Uh, oh yeah, I think so, their I think their coach got got COVID. I believe is yeah. part of what happened. But then they're set to play 
two games before us. So we have this whole week off going to let the guys recover. Like you said, uh, with Jalen playing those major minutes this week, I think he'll really benefit from being able to recover uh, from having a whole week off. They'll kind of, you know, probably ease him back into practice this week. But then uh, Ole Miss will get to play Central Arkansas tomorrow, and then they play Middle Tennessee on Wednesday. So they got a busy week coming up uh, before they face us. But they have a guard averaging um, 20 points a game. So I'm interested to see how we scheme for him. Uh, I definitely think that would be Rodney Chapman's uh, assignment to start with. Uh, But then I'm just interested to see how we come back from uh, this team. They got a couple big guys, uh, 6'11 guys, 6'10 senior. Uh, So Jordy should, uh, you know, have a good matchup down low. And uh, we'll see if this team's able to improve uh, I'm hoping to see some improvement on the turnovers and uh, a little bit more offense. I still think this offense is figuring itself out in the flow of things, so I'd like to see uh, just see what we're able to do against this team. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I, uh, oh, sorry, Dan. No, go ahead. My bad. Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, um, you know, I uh, don't know a ton about Ole Miss basketball, um, but uh, kind of did a little bit of research yesterday, just small things. Um, they've obviously only played two games thus far, and, uh, you know, that competition probably isn't great. But uh, one stat that they kind of threw out was Ole Miss is, I think, number one in the country in uh, turning turning you over. So um, I'm not sure exactly what the number was, how many turnovers a game they're getting, but uh, through – two games uh they're leading in that category so um you know kind of something maybe to watch for as we get into that game on saturday especially given our woes with that uh, kind of through these first four games um you know as bobby was kind of alluding to they got a 20 point score and uh, i believe you mentioned um they have a grad transfer who uh just in this past game had I want to say 20 plus points as well and he I think he missed like one bucket so um certainly going to be pivotal to uh, kind of slow those guys down um kind of compare it to DJ Stewart for Mississippi State and Molinar you know you gotta it didn't seem like they had a bunch beyond those two guys so maybe it's more of the same with Ole Miss so hopefully um you know while they're playing this week, um, you know, they get some more film on these guys and maybe devise a little something to uh, kind of get the ball out of those guys' hands and uh, maybe impact the game defensively from that standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't have too much to add about this game. Just definitely hoping to uh, see the Flyers be more consistent, more flow on offense, just more and more. No more just passing around the perimeter. Um, just got to get in the offense and, and find the gaps. And, yeah, it's I'm sure it's going to be pretty similar to Mississippi State where, you know, every guy is gonna, just going to be a little bit bigger and stronger than us. Um, so just going to have to just grind it out possibly again and, and just get another W. I, I You know, I so wish that we had the real home court advantage of UD Arena with, with the fans. But um, hopefully still being at home will just provide a little bit of familiarity and and help us pull out the win. Absolutely. Really looking forward to it. Um, you know, shout out to you both. This was a uh, really great episode and, uh, you know, just appreciate you guys, you know, pulling this all together. Absolutely. I appreciate you guys, uh, being able to do it. And I'm glad we were able to knock week two out. Looking forward to week three already of it. 
Yep. And thank you to the listeners. Thank you to the <laughs> listeners for sure. Yes. Absolutely. This is this has been really fun these first couple of weeks. I just I love just kicking back and and chatting UD hoops with you guys. So I'm looking forward to uh, breaking down the Ole Miss game next Sunday when we record next, and hopefully we'll be recording after another W. Absolutely, go Flyers, guys! Big go week, Flyers. big week actually. Two and zero week. Let's get another uh, dub this Saturday. All righty. Go Flyers. Talk to you guys soon.